turn around and shake hands and fellowship one with another. Welcome our visitors.
touch the hem of his garment, I can almost see his face, and my heart is overflowing with the fullness of his joy. I know without a doubt that I've been with the Lord. Let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And again, let me say it's a joy to have all of those that are visiting with us today. And if you would, take the little guest card inside your visitor's packet and just drop, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate in a moment. And we'd like to send you some information this week about the church. But we are certainly thrilled about you being here. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say amen. Great. Let me just remind you of a couple of things. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. It is the third of three Super Sundays that we've been having in the spring. And I want to encourage you next week to bring uh, folks with you. That's one of the reasons we do this. Your family, different ones, friends, just everybody. Bring someone with you next Sunday. Always a special day here. The Wistons will be with us. Brother Bob Darty will be with us. It's going to be a great day. Next Sunday, Mother's Day. Everybody work and let's have the house full and let's just trust the Lord for some great things. And then Sunday week, two weeks from the day, is our special uh, Sunday in which we uh, give to the Lord. It's our chest of, Joash sun, ch chest of Joash Sunday. And we're just anticipating a great day that began construction tomorrow and on uh, remodeling the back part and uh, different things like that. But uh, Sunday week will be your chance to give to the Lord. We ask everybody on that day to pray about giving a very special gift uh, to this particular project. So that's two weeks from the day. And I usually just, I've, I've been thinking about just maybe just saying today's just Joash because if I announce it, everybody heads off. Say amen right there. They kind of wait around the planned vacation around the Sunday we have, but no, it's always been a very special Sunday. For you that are new, uh, I promise you, you'll not be in a service quite like the one on the chest of Joash Sunday. So remember that. That's two weeks from today. And won't you be praying about your giving? And then let me just make mention real quickly. This afternoon, we, this evening, we have the uh, Spanish service. we the last one for the spring. And so, as I mentioned last Sunday, we need some of the ladies to bring snacks and things like that, sandwiches and different things. If you'll bring those by the Family Life Center uh, before service tonight, I think their service starts at 6 o'clock, and this is a Spanish service, and so uh, if you'll help us with this, it's one way we can show how much we love them and we're praying for them and, and open our hearts to them. Add these to the, your prayer list today. Uh, of course, many of you know that uh, uh, Bobby Revels, uh, I want to remember the family of Bobby Revels that passed away. Her funeral will be tomorrow at 1130 at, at Wilson's Funeral Home, and also Brother Marvin Hughes, 
had a brother that passed away is in Florida. So let's remember these special requests to be praying for them. Father, we ask you now that you might bless our giving today and for all the things that are coming up. We pray your blessings to be upon them. Continue to work in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen to the message in this song. It's called Daisy. Your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in that sight.
Like a bird out of prison 
I'm so glad for his preserving power and for his anointing touch just when we need it most. I want to remind you today, God knows where you are. And what he did before, Abraham accounting that God was able, that God was faithful, because he knew what he'd done in the past, he'd do it again. He'll do it again. Thank you. 
Let's all stand while these folks are praying. You'll be open your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And I've listened to the songs this morning and they all have thoughts that are so closely connected to what we're going to think about today. God wants to do it again. Do you believe that? And He can do it again. He's as much God as He's ever been. He's no less God than He's ever been in the past. And He is God. He wants to show Himself to be the kind of God that He is. And thank God for these folks praying. And I want, I want you to always, listen, one thing about Temple Baptist Church, I don't care when you want to come to pray, you come to pray. That's what we come to church for, is to meet God. And uh, I've often said this, this is not a funeral home. Praise God, this is where we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And when we come, He's able to meet our needs. First Chronicles 4, we've been thinking about the prayer of Jabez. I wonder how many of you have actually read the little book, The Prayer of Jabez by Bruce Wilkerson. A number of you, great. And almost everywhere I go, somebody's talking about that, the, the prayer of Jabez. I was walking down the hall at Park Ridge Hospital the other day, and I, there were some folks in the hall, and they were talking about the prayer of Jabez. And it has really touched a lot of hearts. But we're taking a few Sunday mornings to look at the prayer and to glean from it. Look at verse 9, 1 Chronicles 4. This morning we're going to look at the second of four petitions that Jabez prayed. And we're going to look at the petition where he asked God to enlarge his coast. And our prayer is, Lord, enlarge my coast. Verse 9, Bible said in Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with Solomon. We saw in the very beginning in our introduction to his prayer, <clears throat> that the name Jabez means pain, P-A-I-N. For some reason, his mother called him Jabez, pain, because I bear him with sorrow. But verse 10 said that Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. I love the latter part of verse 10. And God granted him that which he had requested. Now let's read verse 10 together. I hope this has been your prayer. I hope that you are praying this prayer. Not only should it be the prayer of Jabez, but it should be my prayer, your prayer. That's why we're learning to pray it. Let's read it together, verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. Today we're going to think about this thought, Lord, I want you to enlarge my coast. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we do believe, Lord, that you are as much God as you've ever been. And I do believe, Lord, this morning that you want to do it again. That you want us to see what we've never seen before. And you want us to do what we've never done before. 
And you want us to be what we've never been before. So, Father, this morning as we continue to look at this stirring prayer of Jabez, as we look at his second petition, put it into our hearts. Lord, it is our prayer this morning that you would bless us and bless us indeed and that you would enlarge our coast. So we wait before you this morning asking you from a word from heaven, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things. Amen. For you that have read the little book by Bruce Wilkerson entitled The Prayer of Jabez, you may remember this story. He has a little fictitious story in the book. It's one of those little stories that just kind of gets your attention. It has a way of just reaching out and grabbing your heart. It's a story entitled Mr. Jones Goes to Heaven. You may remember the story. It's a story about a man by the name of Mr. Jones that dies and he goes to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, Peter is waiting at the gates to give him a tour of heaven. So Peter begins to show him around and he shows him all the golden streets and the beautiful mansions and he hears the choirs of angels and all the things that heaven has to afford. But while they're on the tour, Mr. Jones sees an odd-looking house. In fact, it almost looks like a huge warehouse. And so Mr. Jones asks Peter if he can look inside. Peter says to him, Mr. Jones, you really don't want to see what's in there. Well, Mr. Jones thinks to himself, well, uh, he wonders why are there any secrets in heaven? I didn't think there were any kind of secrets in heaven, so he insists that he might see what is inside that particular building. So finally, Peter takes him on the inside, and when they walk in, Mr. Jones discovers that the enormous building is filled with row after row of shelves from floor to ceiling, and each of them are stacked, with, stacked neatly with white boxes that are tied with red ribbons. Well, Mr. Jones looks a little closer and he notices that every one of the boxes has got a name on it. So he looks at Peter and he says, Is there one for me or do I have one? And Peter says, Yes, you do, but I, if I were you... And before he could even finish, Mr. Jones rushes off to the J aisle to find his own box. Well, Peter shakes his head and follows and he catches up with Mr. Jones just as he is taking the red ribbon off the box that's got his name on it. Mr. Jones pops a lid and he looks inside... And there's a moment of recognition and then Mr. Jones lets out a sigh. For you see, inside that white box are all the blessings that God had wanted to give to Mr. Jones during his life on earth, but he never asked God for them. I've said this over the past couple of weeks and I won't say it again this morning, that there are many things that God wants to do for us. And there are many things that God wants to do through us. And there are many things that God wants to do with us. And there are many things that God wants to do by us. But many times we miss out on them because we do not ask God for them. I wonder today if there's a white box in heaven with a pretty red ribbon on it that's got your name on the side. A box that contains all the things that God wanted to do for you and all the things God wanted to give you, but you never asked God for them. Well, Jabez is a man, as we have been learning, that asked God for whatever God had for him to give it to him. 
We have noticed that there are four things for which Jabez prayed. Look at it, verse 10. Four things for which Jabez was praying. One, we looked at last week, he prays that God would bless him. And he not only prays that God would bless him, but he prays that God would bless him indeed, the Bible said. That is, he wanted God to bless him in a large way. The second thing that he prayed for, we're going to look at today, is that he prayed that God would enlarge his coast. And then the third thing that he prays for is that God's hand would be upon him. And then last of all, that God would keep him from evil. Well, let's look at this second thing that he prayed for. He prays in verse 10 that God would enlarge his coast. Look at it again, verse 10. He not only prays that God would bless him, but he prays that God would enlarge his coast. Now think with me for just a moment about his petition. His petition revolves around the inheritance of land that was given to each tribe and was given to each family. In our study of the book of Joshua on Sunday night, we have seen how that at a certain point when the land had been conquered, Joshua divided the land as he had been instructed by Moses and by God, and every tribe was given a certain section of land, and every family in that tribe was given a certain section of that particular section. The land was divided as God had planned. Well, when Jabez is praying about his coast and praying about his borders, It has to do with what his inheritance is. Now the word coast that he uses there is not descriptive of a coastline like we would think of as the coast, the Atlantic coast or the Pacific coast. The word coast that he uses there is a word that simply describes a boundary. It's like you have a deed to the land that you own and there are boundaries. You have stakes in the corners that mark out what what is your territory. Well, this is what Jabez is praying. Jabez is saying, Lord, I know what and where the boundaries are for what you've given me. But I'm asking you to extend my boundaries. I know what my inheritance is. I know what has been given to me by you, but I'm asking you to give me more. I'm asking you to extend and to expand and to enlarge my boundaries. You might say that Jabez is praying for more than a little corner lot. Jabez is wanting acres. He knows what he has. He knows God gave it to him. And now he's saying, Lord, I want you to give me more. He's not praying a greedy prayer, but revealing a heart that is hungering for more of what God can give. He's saying, God, I want you to give me more territory. God, I want you to give me a deed to a larger inheritance. In a simple statement, he's asking God to do more for him and to give him more than he's ever received in his life. Now, I believe today that God wants each of us to pray the same way. I believe that God wants each Christian to pray that God would enlarge our coast. you believe that this morning? Amen. I believe God wants every one of us to pray, Lord, enlarge my coast. I believe that God wants this church to pray, Lord, enlarge my coast. You see, when it comes to our boundaries... And when it comes to experiencing God and His blessings, there are existing boundaries in all of our lives. And every individual's life this morning, those boundaries may vary. But what we've experienced of God and what we know about God and what we have received from God, there are existing boundaries in all of our life. And we have in Jabez, there are things 
that Jabez is praying for, that God would enlarge his coast. Well, as far as our life is concerned, we ought to pray the same way. There there's boundaries to what we have seen. There are those boundaries to what we have done. There's the, there are those boundaries to what we have become. And when we pray the prayer of Jabez, this is what we're praying. Lord, I want to see what I've never seen before. Lord, I want to do what I've never done before. And Lord, I want to be what I've never been before. I'm saying all that, look at those three simple things about enlarging our borders. First of all, I want you to think with me about seeing what we've never seen before. Jabez said, Lord, I want you to move the stakes of my territory. I want you to extend my borders. I want you to expand my boundaries. I want to see what I have never seen before. Now, what am I talking about? Seeing what I've never seen before. When I talk about seeing what I've never seen before, what we've never seen before, I'm talking about seeing God do something in our life that we have never seen God do before. Now, when it comes to seeing what God can do, there are boundaries in our life. I ask you, don't respond. But when it comes to what God can do in an individual's life, what are the boundaries in your life? When it comes to seeing what God can do, how far do the boundaries in your life extend? For you see, when we ask God to enlarge our coast, we're asking God to let us see what we've never seen before. I want you to look at one verse of Scripture. Look at Psalm 78 and verse 3. In fact, I'm going to give you a verse for each one of the three points I'm giving you this morning. But look at Psalm 78, 3. We put it on the screen for you. But look at Psalm 78, 3. I want you to notice what the psalmist said. You ought to go home and read all of Psalm 78, but notice verse 3. He makes a statement which we have heard. Not only which we have heard, but that which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Now let me just point out a couple of things in that one statement. For one thing, when I read verse 3, I see a work of God in the past. But you notice here the people spoke of what they had heard. Verse 3, that which we have heard. And what they had heard in verse 3, we find, was what their fathers had told them. They said, we have heard, our fathers have told us. Now what in particular was it that they had heard? They said, we have heard, our fathers have told us about these things. What in particular is it they're talking about? Well, I didn't put this verse on the screen, but look at verse 4. Psalm 78, 4 said, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works He hath done. Now the generation that is speaking in Psalm 78 is describing how their fathers, the former generation, had told them of the praises of God. How they had begun to tell them about all the things God did in the past how God did this and what God did here. They tell them about the wonderful things that God hath done. What is being described in the words which we have heard, our fathers have told us, is a work of God in the past. Now think about our gathering here today. Each one of us, we could say, we have heard, or that which we have heard. And we think of many things that we have heard about the wonderful works of God, the things that God has done in the past. We have heard of places and times where God moved in a marvelous way. 
We have heard of places, events, and times in which God made Himself known in a marvelous way. Last week, I mentioned Jonathan Edwards and his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He preached it on July the 8th in 1741 in the little town of Enfield, Connecticut. What I didn't say last Sunday was that during the time that he preached that sermon, all of New England, the whole of New England, was in the grip of a mighty work of God. God was doing something at that particular time in this country that this country has never experienced since. And I pray that it will again. But it was a great move of God in those days. It has often been referred to as the Great Awakening. It all began in Jonathan Edwards Church in Northampton, Massachusetts in 1734. Edwards, Jonathan Edwards had began preaching a series of sermons on justification by faith. It was somewhat to do because of what they called the halfway covenant. And to put it in a very simple definition, the halfway covenant allowed people that were unsaved to become members of the church. And Edwards was somewhat bothered and concerned about the fact that the majority of the membership had never been converted. And so Edwards began to preach on justification by faith and by faith alone. During that series of sermons, suddenly God began to move in a mighty way in the church and throughout the whole community. In fact, I want you to listen to what Edwards had to say. He said it was in the latter part of December that the Spirit of God began extraordinarily and wonderfully among us. And there were very suddenly, one after another, five or six persons who were to all appearance savingly converted and some of them wrought upon in a remarkable manner. He went on to say a great and earnest concern about the great things of religion. And the eternal world became universal in all parts of town, among persons of all degrees and all ages. This work of God as it was carried on in the number of true saints multiplied soon made a glorious alteration in the town so that in the spring and summer following 1735, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. Now can you imagine a whole town I'm not talking about just a church, but a whole town under the grip of revival. Can you imagine walking down the street or going to the mall or going to your workplace on Monday morning and all that everybody is talking about is what God is doing? Can you imagine such a thing? Well, that's exactly what was happening in Northampton, Massachusetts in 1735. And God did wonderful things. The revival somewhat peaked in, in the latter part, of, in the fall of 1735. But the reason it peaked and began to subside, Joseph Tracy, Joseph Tracy and his book on the Great Awakening said it was because everybody in town got saved. And there wasn't nobody else in town to get saved. Now how would you like to see in Chattanooga, Tennessee, nobody getting saved in our churches, not because they're dead, but because everybody's got saved. Wouldn't you like to see that? So, well, nobody got saved Sunday. There wasn't anybody there to get saved. Everybody's saved. Wouldn't that be wonderful say man right there? Well, that's what happened. And it jumped out of Northampton. It began to spread from community to community, community to community, to the whole of New England was under the grip of revival. It's estimated that during that time, approximately 50,000 people were saved. Now, when you think about how the entire population of New England was around 340,000, that would have the impact of 25 million converts on the church of Jesus Christ today. We have heard. We have heard of His praises. We have heard of His strength. 
We have heard of the wonderful works of God, a past work of God. But look at the text again. You not only see a work of God in the past, but a work of God in the present. Notice verse 3 again. He said, which we have heard and noticed and known. Our fathers have told us. You notice they state that they had not only heard, and their fathers told them about things God did in their own generation. But they also say, we have known. Strong says the word means to know and to properly to ascertain by seeing. In other words, what they were saying is, our fathers have told us about what God did in their generation. Our, the generation behind us told us about the wonderful works of God. They told us about the praises of God and the strength of God. They saw in their generation, we also have seen what God can do. We've also seen the mighty works of God. You see, their fathers told them, but they also had seen God work themselves. Are you listening to me this morning? There is a work of God in the past we have heard. We think about our beloved nation. And how God has visited America and the things that God has done in America. We have heard. But it's one thing to hear and it's another thing to see. But here's what we're talking about. When we talk about, Lord, enlarge our coast. Lord, here's where the present boundaries are in our life. This is what we have seen you do. But God, we want you to pull our stakes up. And Lord, we want you to extend our boundaries so we see things we've never seen before. I don't know about you, what God did in Northampton in 1734 and 1735, I'd like God to do in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 2001. I've seen God do some things, but I'm praying, Lord, enlarge my coast. Let me see things I've never seen before. Let me see your works. Let me see your power. Let me see your glory like I've never seen before. I think about something that Edwards wrote in 1742. This is good. In fact, I put it on the screen for you. In one of his books entitled Narratives of Surprise and Conversions, Edwards made this statement, By what I can understand... The work of God is greater at this day in the land than it has been at any time. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you like to be able to say that never has there been a time when God was doing what He's doing right now. Wouldn't it be great? Don't die on me, say amen. Wouldn't it be great in our day to say, I don't know of a time when God was doing more. I'm talking about seeing things that we've never seen before. Trading in our little corner lots for the wide open prairies, saying, God, here's my borders as they exist, but extend my borders. Let me see what I've never seen before. Amen? Something else. When I pray, Lord, enlarge my coast, I'm not only asking God to let me see what I've never seen before, I'm asking God to let me do what I've never done before. You see, there's not only the matter of what God does for us, but there is the matter of what we do for God. And there is the issue of what each believer has done for God, and there's the issue of what each church has done for God. Look at John 14, 12. John 14, 12. Lord, enlarge my coast. Here are the borders that exist in my life at the present. 
But I want to see what I've never seen before. So, Lord, extend my borders. Lord, here are the borders of what I have done. This is what I have done. But, Lord, I want you to enlarge my borders that I might do what I've never done before. John 14, 12. Here's a fascinating verse. Jesus said, Verily, verily. And those words, verily, verily, simply mean, Amen, Amen, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And look at this. You ought to drop, you could drop your tent stake down here and shout for 30 minutes. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Notice with me two things. One, they're the mighty works Jesus had done with them. Jesus taught his disciples, spoke of, the, spoke of the works that I do. The disciples had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus and they had saw the works he had done. They had watched him raise the dead. They had watched him cleanse the lepers. They had watched him open blinded eyes. They had watched him cast out demons. They had watched him heal the sick. They had watched him turn the water into wine. They had watched him do many wonderful things. They had seen the works he had done. In fact, John 21, 25 tells us that if everything Jesus had done had been written down in a book, that the world would not be large enough to contain all the books that would be required. They had seen Jesus' work. He spoke of the works, the mighty works he had done with them. But he not only spoke of the mighty works he had done with them, but look at it. He spoke of the mightier works that he would do through them. The works I have done. But then I'm sure Jesus turned a few heads when he said, greater works than these shall you do. Now that's what Jesus is saying to them. He said, I've worked with you. But now it's time for me to go back to the Father. And when I go back to the Father, I will not only, I will not work with you, but I will work through you. And when I work through you, you will do greater things than what you have seen while you've been with me. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. You're going to do what you've never done before. It is not only seeing what we've never seen before, but it's a matter of doing what we've never done before. And Jesus said to the disciples, you've seen great things but you're going to do what you've never done before. I love the way Ivor Powell's it. Probably says it, sums it all up better than anybody else. He said, during his sojourn in Palestine, the Lord only succeeded in stirring a small country. But afterwards, through his people, he turned the world upside down, doing what we've never done before. Now listen to me. When we pray, Lord, enlarge our coast, we're talking about all that we have done. And we're saying, Lord, right here's where our present boundaries are. This, this reveals what we have done. This reveals what we've done with our lives. It reveals what we have done in your work. It reveals what we've done as a church. But Lord, we're asking you to extend our boundaries. Let us do what we've never done before. Can I say to you this morning, individuals in this room, every believer ought to say, God, I want you to enlarge my coast. I want you to use me like you've never used me before. I want you to give me opportunities to serve you that I've never had before. I want you to take my life. I want you to enlarge my life. I want you to use me like I've never been used before. Let me do what I have never done before. You ought to pray that prayer. Amen? I promise you one thing. You ask God to use you. If I may use a North Carolina term, He'll slap where you out. Can I say amen? 
You let him use you as an individual, Lord, enlargement cost. Can I say this morning as a church, we ought to say, God, let us do that what we've never done before. We ought to pray, Lord, enlarge our coast. What do we mean? We're asking God to let us reach more people than we've ever reached. We're asking God to let us baptize more than we've ever baptized. We're asking God to let us have more additions we've ever seen. We're asking God to let us expand our ministry and enlarge our means and methods of reaching people and growing people in the faith. As far as Temple Baptist Church is concerned, we're asking God to enlarge our coast and let us see what we've never seen before and let us do what we've never done before. We're asking Him, it's asking Him to expand our borders and our boundaries to let us do what we have never even dreamed of doing before. The president may be asking God to give us more land. It may be asking God to let us build new and larger buildings. It may be asking God to let us take steps of faith that we've never taken before, but doing what we've never done before. Someone might say, but Pastor Triffitt, I am happy with things as they are. Oh, it's going so good, Pastor Trivet. Our borders are larger than they've ever been before. And the truth of the matter is, they're bigger and larger than we ever dreamed they would ever be. I think it's just good. Let's just stay right where we are. And I vote that we just stay like we are. Well, since you're voting, I'm going to vote too. I vote that we ask God to enlarge our borders. Now, you voted against it. I voted for it. We got a tie. How many of you going to vote with me? Say glory to God. Motion carried, you voted down. God, expand our borders. Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> Say amen. I'm asking God, Lord, let us do what we've never done before. I think I, I, over the past few years, there's been a lot of blonde jokes come out. And of course, for personal reasons, I hadn't told any. Say amen right there. You know how that goes. But I remember... I ran across one somewhere about this blonde. I don't know why I even thought about this. This blonde walked up to this uh, airport ticket counter and she asked to buy a round-trip ticket. And the smiling agent said, Where to? And the blonde said, Duh, back here. Well, I don't know about you. I don't want to fly around in circles. I want to go where I've never been before. I want to see what I've never seen before. I want to do what I've never done before. God, enlarge my coast. Give God glory. Say amen. Praise God. I'm talking about enlarging our coast. Years ago, and I know not everybody's excited about going in places you go to, but I think years ago, you remember the Chevrolet, the Chevy Nova? Many of you probably own one. It was a very successful car for GM. And, and they were so encouraged by U.S. sales that they began to uh, market the Nova throughout the world. But they found that it didn't sell too good in Mexico. And it didn't do too good in Latin American countries. It was selling good everywhere in the United States, everywhere else. But in Mexico and Latin America, it wasn't doing well. So additional ads were ordered and marketing efforts were stepped up, but steps or sales remained stagnant and, and sales directors were baffled. It's selling good everywhere else but Mexico and Latin America. And then it was discovered that the Spanish word Nova means no go. Well, I've met a few 
Nova believers. Amen? Those that no-go. Well, if you're a Nova, you're a no-go. Just sit there and don't go. But for the rest of us, Lord, pull my stakes up. Enlarge my borders. Let me see what I've never seen before and do what I've never done before. Amen? Then last of all, one more thing. When we ask God to enlarge our coasts, we're not only asking Him to let us see what we've never seen before and let us do what we've never done before, but let us be what we've never been before. For I want you to realize this morning that if we're going to see what we've never seen before and do what we've never done before, it'll depend on us being what we've never been before. But look at 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. For you see, God wants to let us see what we've never seen before. And He wants to let us do what we've never done before. But God only uses those who are consecrated unto Him. Really the key is being what we've never been before. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now before God can ever do anything with us, and before God can ever do anything for us, and before God can do anything by us and through us, then we're going to have to be Holy. What do we mean? We see in our text here for one thing, our great model. Jesus said, I am holy. Jesus is a great example and the model for the believer. He is one who was holy, consecrated to him. You see the word holy? It simply speaks of that which is sacred, that which has been consecrated unto holy purposes or divine causes. When we talk about being holy, we're talking about being consecrated to God. We're talking about our life being consecrated to God. And Jesus is the great example. He's our great model. But you also see our great motive because He is holy. Because He was consecrated to God. Because He was committed to God. Therefore, we want to be holy. Remember the first of the year I brought a message, 1 Peter 2, on billboards for Jesus. And we looked at the text in 1 2. 1 Peter 2.21, we talked about He is our example. And I, I share with you the word example there is a word that is descriptive of how a teacher taught a student how to write the letters of the alphabet. And what he would do is take a piece of paper and then with, and he would draw the letters very lightly on a piece of paper. And then the student would take their pencil or whatever and they would trace over those letters... The outline was on the paper and they would trace over them and that's how they learned to read and write. Jesus said, or Peter said, Jesus is our example. He is our outline. That we're to follow every curve and line of His life. That we're to be holy as He is holy. That is our motive in life. To be like Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. I want to be as much of a Christian as I can be. Don't you? I want to be as close to God as I can be. I want to be as holy as I can be. I want to be as consecrated as I can be. What we're saying is, Lord, here are the boundaries in my life right now. This is what I am. 
but I want you to enlarge my boundaries, extend my borders. Let me be what I've never been before. You see, you're not going to see God do something wonderful in your life if you're not living for God. We're not going to see God do great and marvelous things if we're not living for Him and honoring Him in our lives. Know what we are will determine what we will see. What we are will determine what we will do. See, and Lord, here's the boundaries of my life. Now, I want you to enlarge those boundaries. This is where they are in my life at the present. This is what I've seen you do. But Lord, I want you to enlarge my boundaries so that I see you do things I've never seen before. Lord, this is what I've done in my life, but I want to do things I've never done before. Lord, enlarge my borders. Lord, this is what I am, but I want to be what I've never been before. Look at the prayer. Jabez, prayer, 1 Chronicles 4.10. He said, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and that you would enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil. Will you pray that prayer? Will you pray today, Lord, enlarge my coast, enlarge my borders. Lord, let us... See what we've never seen before. Let us do what we've never done before. Let us be what we've never been before. Let's stand to our feet, please. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to do several things today. One, if you're in this auditorium and you do not know beyond any question whatsoever that you are a Christian, there has been a moment in your life when you came to Jesus Christ and accepted Him as your Savior. Then when we begin to sing in a moment, I'm going to invite you to get up out of your seat and come and get it settled today. That Jesus is my Savior. That Jesus is my Lord. I want you to come. I want you to come today and have a life-changing experience. I want you to come. I want you to come. God wants you to come. Jesus died that you might be saved. And when we sing in a moment, if you'll come, there'll be somebody that'll meet you here. Just walk right down to the front. Somebody will meet you. They'll take the Bible, show you from the Word of God how you can know that your sins are forgiven, how you can know that heaven is your home. You come today. That's what God wants you to do. There may be those here today that God is leading to become a part of Temple Baptist Church. We thank God for those He's added and will continue to add. But this may be the place where you want to serve God. This is where you want to be. You like what God is doing here and you want to be personally connected to what God is doing. And this is where the Lord is leading you. I invite you to come and right there on the front, just come and take a seat on the front row. We'll get the information we need from you. Whatever your reason, you got a burden in your life, some come with burdens this morning, you bring your burden to the Lord. Just like God heard the prayer of Jabez, He'll hear your prayers. But I want you to come, whatever the reason, whatever the purpose. But I want you to do this. I want you to come this morning and get on your knees and say, God, I pray first of all for myself. Lord, I want to see what I've never seen before. And I want to do what I've never done before. And I want to be what I've never been before. And I want you to pray second of all for your church. You love your church? Say amen. I love this place. And I want you to come and say, Oh God, let us as a church see what we've never seen before. 
Let us see you working like we've never seen you work before. God, let us do what we've never done before. Lord, thank you for what you've let us do. Thank you for what you've done here. But Lord, let us do what we've never done before. And Lord, let us be what we've never been before. Won't you come this morning and say, God, not only bless me, but enlarge my borders. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to enlarge our borders this morning. Father, I pray today, put this petition in our hearts that we'll, God, that we'll let you work in our lives, that we'll allow you to move in our place and move in our lives as we've never seen you move before. And God, we've seen a lot of things happen. We've seen the wonderful works of God in many ways, but Lord, we're asking you to let us see you work in a way We've never seen you work before. Father, we're asking you today. We're coming to you saying, God, we want to do what we've never done before. If you'll bless and supply and enable us and give us wisdom and knowledge and guidance, Lord, we want to do what we've never done before. And we want to be what we've never been before. We want to glorify you. We want to be more like Jesus than we've ever been. We want to be dedicated to you as much as we've ever been, even more, more consecrated to you. Lord, we don't want to take our Christian life lightly. We want to take it seriously. We want to be everything you want us to be, to glorify you. So hear our prayers this morning. Lord, bless us and bless us indeed. Lord, enlarge our coast. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.